Alright, welcome to the Tune Shed, the workshop for everything music, from history, theory, creative process, production, you name it. We're here to become better music listeners, better creators, and better music lovers. I'm your host, Blake, and I'm here with my dear childhood friend and professional musician, Marty, and also special guest, George. Hi! What is up? Hello, it's good to be here. Welcome. Welcome to the Tune Shed. Thank you. Appreciate it. God, I can't believe doing? we have a guest. It's our first guest episode. I'm so honored. I didn't when when you guys like contacted me to be a guest. I was like, oh, they've probably done this before with a couple other people who have done more things. And nope. then Marty's like, no, you're our inaugural guest. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> sure, wow. I, I like definitely, definitely, uh, definitely makes me feel a little fizzly inside. That's for sure. Fizzly. <laughs> Well, I wanted to bring George Marshall on because of his specific credentials. So George is his he has his little dirty tentacles in in very many pots, if that's how the idiom works. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) He so George, um, I met George at college. We both studied voice at the University of Michigan together, and we were both in the same acapella group. So we have a long history together, Ooh. but that's George, the important part. That's where we really got to know each other. Yeah, we really got to know each other in the acapella stuff, um, like the couple of nerds we are. <laughs> but George, do you want to tell everyone sort of the kinds of projects you're involved in right now? Mm, yes, of course. So I've been making a number of uh, different types of music over the years. Um, throughout college, I was working on a uh, mostly acoustic, um, if if more progressive acoustic folk album, but. Recently, I have been doing a lot of uh, producing, um, especially for uh, the rap collective that Marty and I are part of called GVO. Um, but I've also put out some a collaboration project in the past uh, couple months that was very exciting called Ambichromia. Uh, another producer and I um, from GVO had gotten in touch with each other and we said, hey, wouldn't this be cool if we did this and featured vocalists from the group? And we were like, yeah. We both agree on that, and we actually made it happen, and probably one of my proudest career accomplishments to this moment. Wow. Wait, when did that come out? Uh, it came out in... God, when did it come out? January? Let's check. January, yeah. Yeah, January of uh, 2022. Yeah, it came out close to my birthday Ooh. this year. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. I know, it's good. That's awesome. Wait, how big is GVO? I, I, I feel like I keep hearing about new members and it keeps becoming larger and larger in my group in my head yeah that's sort of the way it works <laughs> a little bit oh the, i see yeah it's a it's a collective where really if you're if you're like a detroit hip-hop person and you have any credentials at all you can just be in the group mm-hmm. um and do stuff you know it's a very like a, it's a very like come and go environment so mm. george I and i that. both have like came and went <laughs> multiple times you know like yeah. i'm very much not involved in the production anymore at the moment um much more involved in the mixing for gvo but george is like really heavily involved in the production right now so he's like making beats um doing a lot of side projects with other rappers like helping people on their solo projects and stuff like try to get these guys out there make some music you know yeah like you gotta release stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. i'll yeah, do my best i kind of wanted to bring george on because his Musical pedigree has is shifted from like folk to crazy electronic hip hop producer man. Yeah, I mean, I graduated from Whoa. school like you with a voice degree, which is hilarious to me. Right. <laughs> uh, it, it's funny because I actually found production through you, my junior year of college when we lived together, because I had I had sort of been like paying attention, and before that, the music production world was definitely a mystery to me. I I know there were sounds I heard and and things like methods that were used that just were essentially magic to me <laughs> in 20, 2017. Uh but living living with Marty and watching him produce his first album Eiffel uh was definitely a boon to me because I would go downstairs and be like, "Oh, hey, what you doing?" He'd be like, "You want to see it?" And I'd be like, yeah, and he'd explain the whole thing to me. <laughs> and sort of slowly like got me into producing. I got Logic that year and then sort of worked my way up to Ableton slowly but surely and now I'm here. Yeah, now he's making wacky music. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Heck yeah. So I feel like that's a great progression actually cuz 
I, you know, I'm totally imagining what it's like to study voice, but I feel like, you know, the school style studying voice, you learn your theory, you learn your sort of, it's, it's your core instrument, right? It's, it's part of you. You're, you really got that part down and then you go into the production world where there's knobs and buttons and electronics and yeah. every sound under the sun and you can kind of take it from there. Yeah. I mean, I, I can definitely say that it has been more of a, uh, more of a boon than it has been a hindrance because as a vocalist you really learn how to feel the music like you learn how to mm. almost unconsciously throw yourself into any musical situation and that like being able to do that and then going into producing you immediately have like a bit of a better sense as to what a well-produced piece of music sounds like uh, because as as vocalists, you always sort of notice when somebody sounds incredibly good, and I know that the entire vocal school listens to pop in some capacity, and they're like, wow, they sound really good. But also a lot of them are like, how do they do that? And through production, I was able to sort of uncover some secrets, which I kind of really attached myself to. <laughs> Ooh, secrets. Yeah. This sounds this sounds interesting. Oh, there's a ton of industry. I mean, they're not even secrets. It's just most people don't know how music is produced. That's just a fact, I think. Yeah, it's true. That's why okay, so that's why I thought it'd be really fun to pull up what I think is George's like biggest song off of Ambicrombia. And it's a it's a PC produced with no vocals and it's just like a production orgy. It's great. I, I, uh, should we listen to it? What's the title? Yeah, already? let's do it. Okay, the title is uh, Mischief Management. <laughs> Here we go. Thank you. 
Ooh, baby. We're done. That is sick. <laughs> Thank you. What a journey. It's a big, long one. What a yeah, journey. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a, a full track for sure. I actually had to cut it down, too, which is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I remember, Marty, I showed you this when it was like, it wasn't like entirely finished, but it was definitely in like a pretty solid, almost done pre-production phase. And there's this like whole ambient part before this entire piece. <laughs> yeah, that I just made using these like crazy like like ambient like wobbly synths and I I remember I showed that to Marty. He was like, You could probably make two songs out of this and I was like, you know what, you're right. <laughs> oh, I, I think we remember that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it definitely could have been about two and a half minutes longer. Oh, wow! Like that's that's <laughs> in a got a Davida length. That's uh that's definitely definitely a marathon for some listeners. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Wait, so I have questions. Mm-hmm. That was like, I mean, besides the title and wanting to talk about Harry Potter, <laughs> the first thing I was thinking is, how did you choose the, how did you choose the structure? Like, is this something that you sort of came out over a couple of days or a couple of months and just sort of kept building on it or or you know how did you know okay this part's ready to move on to the next part it was um it was definitely a constructive process i i've composed music in the past i do compose music like i know how it works but as far as my personal creative process goes i love to work on the fly like i love to work or i just sit down and go off the seat of my pants and say okay this is what I want to do here. But I, I structured the first part of this piece initially, uh, and then that sort of carried into, okay, I can use this, I can carry this as a theme and keep referencing it throughout the piece. Uh, and then from there, I was just like, this is the vibe I'm feeling today. This is the kind of section I want to tack on. And then what whatever I tacked on, pretty much every time I would just go with it and and fly with it and it's 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 a it's a semi side effect of why this piece is six and a half minutes uh but i i also just wanted to make something long you know something that people can listen to and sit down to and go oh that was that was a journey <laughs> mm-hmm. i would love to walk around at night like if if i was like visiting a city i hadn't been to and was catching the flight the next day i would love to like take take a walk at night and listen to that mm. it just sounds like the right setting for me i don't know yeah. um i guess that makes me think though how did you how do you choose to end it i mean i this is kind of funny but it's making me think of this poetry class i took in college um and the teacher was saying that a bunch of poets struggle with how to end poems they they feel like it should never end and i feel like that's the kind of piece it's like evolving and evolving and yeah, what what makes it say, oh, we're good now. We're I done. I can definitely identify with that poetry aspect of never being finished because like m- when I'm creating a song, especially one like this, it, it it's hard not to feel another section sprouting off of what you've already made. Mm. But in in that sense, I do think that and you can quantify this to poets as well, but uh, musicians have a sense of how long an idea can last, right? Like, we as musicians know how well a certain motif or theme could possibly carry over to an audience. We we, we consider how it will affect them. And I, I could not unhear this simple little, like, two chord chord progression with the the theme of over it and it it hadn't gotten old for about two weeks in my head so i figured i can just keep going on with it um it it definitely took a while to finish this piece uh but at, at its inception i i knew the direction that i wanted to carry it in hmm that's cool that's I feel like that's maybe an underrated skill, what you did just there, of taking that idea of, okay, this theme's been in my head for two weeks, so it can it can live for, you know, a couple extra minutes in a song. You know, mm-hmm. When thinking about a lot of songs, they're a lot shorter, right? But mm-hmm. um, sort of the like converting the musician working with the theme uh, into 
the finished product, those lengths are completely different lengths of time, right? Like two weeks, six minutes, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I I feel like I I typically really get lost with that. You know, I either get obsessed, and then when I listen back, you know, a month after something's over, I'm like, oh, that's way too long. Yeah, that can (laughs) be Or vice versa, right? I know, that can be very creatively disorienting Mm -hmm. as a person making stuff. You know what? I think credit to George on this piece, I can almost feel the new creative session in the in the music you know i can feel like oh he was like i now that i know that you made this over like the course of a few days mm-hmm. i can almost feel like oh this is where he stopped and this is like where he picked back up but yeah. i think the coolest part of all this is like everything flows together everything's related it's all like thematically together but you definitely feel mm-hmm. like oh this is where george like picked up on the next day yeah <laughs> and like, i i can if 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 I can comment on that, um, like my my creative process for making something like this, sort of almost follows that that rule uh, as like the as as you can hear the first portion is the first part I made right the first section of the song, and you can take that sequentially too. I I went literally down the line in this song and made it section by section. Uh, if I came back in a day and I felt like I wanted to continue a section, I would continue a section. But if I came back and I had a new motif in my head that was inspired by the motif I had written earlier, I'd do that. And like as you can hear with the middle part, I completely abandoned it. I just didn't want to do anything. And I figured, <laughs> all right, how can I how can I drag in a moment of chaos into this piece and bring it back to that? Yeah, it's cool. Which is also just great for music in general to have sort of a moment in chaos. Uh, I, I love pieces that sort of disorient you and then bring you back. That's a great feeling. Yeah, man. Um, hey, speaking and of... And also uh, with the... Oh, go ahead, Blake. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, with the sequ- the, just with the sequential thing, too, and sort of, you know, like like you're saying, Marty, sort of feeling where the, maybe a new session starts. I noticed the energy level changed, like at a, a few distinct points, mm-hmm. but also I feel like the sound of the bass, always thematic, sort of like a synth bass of some sort. Yes, um, yes, definitely. But that was like a big driver. You know, like it, that's connected because of there's similarities in the sound, but the, the, the sound changed yeah. too. And then it's like, oh, we're in we're in a new area now. Yeah, I, um, uh, regardless if you can tell or not, um, I am a bass vocalist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was gonna ask. You got a lower voice than Marty, so I'm like doing the calculations. Yeah, just here. a little bit. Tenor. We 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 happen to fall <laughs> just a little far away on the vocal spectrum. Okay, to be fair, most people have a lower voice than me, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, George shoot. is much lower though. Oh, what were we talking about before this? Well, you know, I was gonna mention something about just disorienting. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's there's a there's a quality in this piece. And it comes from certain elements that you've chosen, but there's a disorienting, like, lost quality in this piece that's really cool. It really does feel like you've been shoved into a forest, and you just, like, experience all this stuff. Like, at at one point, you're underwater, and you don't know how you got there, and then you're just, like, running through this amazing meadow, and you're like, what the heck? But everything, like, feels sort of sporadic and exciting, and I feel like... A huge part of that, one, is the time signature changes and all of the funky time signatures that you use. And mm. also, like Blake mentioned, the, ch- the the constantly changing texture of the bass. So maybe we should go through a couple sections and just mute all of the mid-rangey stuff, like all the cool synth textures, <laughs> and just like go section by section and listen to a couple measures of just bass and, and drums. Oh, hit me. Th- I mean, that's my... Yeah. That's, that's my uh, that's my bread and butter right All there. right, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go beat. right oh, yeah. in the middle of the first section. So I think this section is three measures of four and one measure of three. That's absolutely right. right? Okay, yeah. great. Can someone count it out for me here? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, hold on. One, That's the pattern. Yeah, that's that's, sick. that's really I love cool. It. Yeah, every every fourth measure. It's a little burial esque. Burial? Sorry. As in 
You know Burial? No, I've never heard of them. Oh. I got to check um, out Burial. I mean, I hope that's a band and you're not just talking about lowering a coffin into a pit and I'm totally misunderstanding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a band. You know, I think the reason I'm thinking of it too is because my friend, my friend showed me Burial a couple of years ago and uh-huh. was like, it's the perfect music to walk around at night to. <sighs> but he's got these kind of like... Um, they're not disjointed beats, but there's just, they're just kind of like have some rhythms that throw you a little bit off a traditional, yeah. traditional beat. And I don't even know if he messes with time signatures a, a bunch, but just sort of like, I don't know, the sound of the drums really made me think of that. Um, you yeah. should check it out. See so uh, what you think. See if you agree or disagree. Oh, I mean, I mean, I, I definitely agree with the idea of surprise in music. Like, anytime a professor in college would tell me I need to lead up to a chord change, I'd just think in the back of my head, why? Why? <laughs> Like, then they'll know it's coming. What do you mean? <laughs> then they won't be surprised. Then they won't be excited when it finally goes to F sharp minor from, like, D flat major, you know? like <laughs> I, I, get, I get the concept. I get the idea of transition. But I, I think it's better if you can... Well, not better, but as, as personally as an audience member, I always found it more exciting... When the transition was sudden rather than predicted. Mm. Love that. Rules are meant to be broken. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah, George breaks a lot of rules in this one. <laughs> That's why I, I love this. This song just has a couple like really unconventional elements used really well. You know, hey, let's skip to the middle at that section that I think is 11-4. It's like after we, oh. s- we emerge from the water level. Again, we have like a completely different bass instrument here. This section, I totally feel like we're tossing and turning. But as as we reach this section here, we almost come to rest. This is this is the moment of calm in this entire piece. This is the only moment that the bass doesn't have. Some kind of like staccato. Oh, here, yeah, and here comes the. There's that theme again. The the bass also has its own theme along with that. And they tend to either return together or return in a similar section. Oh, cool. This is the bass's theme. The only difference is it's that such a bass theme. the melody theme does not change in- instruments, and I change the bass theme three times. I want to say I want to say three times because there are there are there are a couple different distinct sections. But it's it's bass coloring was definitely something that I focused on while composing this because I. I mean, as in college, coming up as an acapella bass, you know, people were always asking me to sort of assume a certain color and and sing in a certain way so that the the root would feel a certain way. And, uh, like, that experience definitely factors into making a solid and uh, enjoyable bass line in electronic music because you, you have to have movement but you can't go crazy and it has to be just noticeable enough for people to say, ooh, that's the bass, which made me wind up layering two basses occasionally on this track. For one for texture, which you'll hear in this section is the down, down, down. But uh, underneath there is a sub following it because I wanted that warmness, but I also wanted it to cut. Ooh, let's, let's isolate that. Yeah. Hold on, let me find that part again. Okay, now let me mute the drums slowly. So here's, here's just the sub. Then here's that like froggy bass. Yeah. (laughs) But together they're, they work. Yeah. If I, if I can just speak on uh, a bit of a production lesson that I've learned um, in my time creating music, uh, it's that creating creating a new sound is difficult, 
but layering sounds is really easy. And if you mix that correctly to the point where you have what you have on top and below, that can be such a useful skill. Because with, with the, uh, well, I mean, with the, with the joy of being able to activate multiple tracks, you can play the exact same line on three different synths, allowing you to create this whole new sound if you really have the dedication to mix it correctly. It's, it's really, it's not an untapped world. I've heard people do it, but it's, it's definitely underused in my personal opinion. Yeah, those bases are very friendly too. You know, like, I mean, if you're not looking for it, they're 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 best friends. They're one instrument. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think they literally are voiced the same at the end. Are they? I I so believe here, so. Here's the only section that we haven't touched on yet. It's the the end with like the the first time that there's an actual snare. I feel like. part where I was like, I want to throw off every rapper that ever tries to rap in this part. Because it's back to the original of, uh, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, one, two, three. <laughs> just, just missing one beat, just to screw with people. But also, it sounds fun. It, it, like, 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 5-8 and 7-8 are both incredible time signatures, in my opinion. Um, but when you can just do something strange... Like just just even subtracting one beat from a standard time signature or even an unstandard time signature, as this sort of turned out to be, uh, it, it can it can give the audience a very palpable sense of excitement while keeping them locked into the the sort of hook of the song. Yeah, that's Absolutely. so cool. And I feel like it's hard to do that well. I think you've done it really well here because I I feel like. Thank you. You know, if you just write something and then chop it off, you have to make it so the melody transitions over that beat well. So it's still a surprise, but it's not so jarring that you lose where you are as the audience member, yeah. right? Yeah. You're so right, yeah. It, it has to be like a, a, a unit in movement almost. Yeah, and in this exactly, song, it doesn't yeah. feel like it doesn't feel like that one bar is seven eight or seven four or whatever. It just feels like you trip. Yeah, you know, it feels like you're tripping. It's, or a, like it's, it's a little stumble. You're like, whoa, <laughs> you know, it doesn't feel like overly thought out. It just feels very natural. Like it was like that was meant to be in the song. I mean, it couples well with the weird time signatures in the middle too. But that's not to say there aren't any moments of four four in this in this song. You know, like I think this section is four four right here. Oh, never mind. Yeah, no, that that, that part's <laughs> weird too. That entire section. This, this part is four four, eight. yeah. Oh wait, no, it's not. This part is four four. The water level transition is four four because we had to fall back into place for a second. Despite the fact that we're outside of the instrumentation. Because they're finding... it's My narrative for this is always very loose. I never gave it a concrete thing. But in that moment, it's very... You, you've, you're finding control in the chaos. Because out of the beginning part, we've, we've found that portion before this. Where the, the bass, the melody, and the drums don't quite line up. Because I, I, I did the bass and the melody manually while automating the drums and copy-pasting that particular section. <laughs> so in that sense, I combined the, the, the computer and the human aspects for just one section of the song. Uh, I, did, I did quantize the bass and melody, but they're still just a little bit behind the beat. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. I love that stuff. George, I gotta ask. I love you, one thing. I gotta ask you something. Yes. There is a pattern here that is like aggressively side chained to the kick. Mm -hmm. I want to find it and isolate it and ask you what what you used there. Oh, please. So it's in the last part. Uh -huh. Was that that falsy synth? It's the it's the. I before we move on here, I will say. Um, when I when I wrote this last well second to last section of the song, I had 
had a brief yet intense infatuation with the song True Survivor, which was written by David Hasselhoff for the movie Kung Fury. (laughs) I love that movie. For those of you who don't know Kung Fury, it's a free movie on YouTube that's like one of the greatest things ever made. It was made to look like an like an 80s like corny just out of this world action movie it's amazing 30 minutes it's free on youtube it's free on youtube yeah yeah. but man i didn't know david hasselhoff wrote a song for that movie yeah dude i've showed you before true survivor is actually a banger (laughs) it's funny the guy actually had a music career like in europe people (laughs) really liked the way david hasselhoff sang in europe especially the germans which i mean (laughs) david hasselhoff you know go figure Okay, I have to find this. Uh, there are two things that sort of revolve around the drums. There's yeah, this please. like horn solo. It's uh, it's this layer right here. Oh yeah. It it goes um, I'm the transition into it. the drums. Yeah. It solo so far, and then it becomes a texture. Yeah. 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 How did you okay? How did you manage that? I just sign changed it. Like like I I I liked the way that synth sounded during its um it's like solo. A solo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because it goes from solo to background texture. Uh, let's hear that. Let's hear that one more time in context. Mm-hmm. Like the solo, the 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 layer that I just played is the same layer, but it right here. It's a it's like a horn solo, like a synth solo. But when the drums come in, it transitions to a background track. Slaps. I just think that's so smart. Thank you. It's so smart to like use this the same solo instrument and just make it into a cool like. I mean, I I I like to think that a lot of things that people do are derivative from experience they had in the past, and uh, for me. Making this section was definitely derivative of my time in uh, band in high school because oh. I was I was the first chair saxophonist, which means what? I would usually get a solo a semester, um, and the beginning and end of that solo would always mean me playing either louder or softer and blending back into the ensemble. Uh, and 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 at this moment, I was definitely going for, like the 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 thing that I thought at this moment was I'm going to make an '80s synth solo in this song. I'm gonna make the most like direct to VHS action movie synth solo you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> uh, but for for this last little synth part that it, that functions as the harmony as well as this background texture, I just liked the sound so much, and I I was thinking of it in my head. Uh, as like the way it sounded as a solo and considered, oh, maybe this would sound good in the background as well. And I just put an LFO on it, side-chained it, and it worked perfectly. You know, I just kind of like found that it fit in there and it, I, I put it in there. But after that, it was definitely a, a, a case of um, molding it correctly through mixing and, and really like making that transition from... Uh, almost frontal to a background noise as seamless as possible hmm. because like holding so hold quick question yeah I, I was just gonna say holding that oh, instrumentation sorry. is very human uh because bands yeah. hold instrumentation yeah I was, I was gonna comment on that too i love the idea of sort of introducing an, an instrument and then um sort of running with that i think actually something that's common in vocals and maybe this is a real thing i hear like the shins do this a lot where a song will start, and before the singing comes in, uh, the vocalist will sort of just do a little hum or a little like reference to a melody later or something, just to sort of warm you up to the quality of their voice. And then they start singing. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm forgetting the exact song I'm thinking of, but yeah, I just think that's that's really clever. But I guess I was kind of curious about your um, your process there, like turning a instrument sort of more into some chords and sort of mixing into the background. Is that something that you kind of, when you're do, when you're in your creative flow making that, do you just do that on the fly and do most of that mixing? Or do you sort of suspend that and say, okay, later I'm going to make this a little bit more in the background and mix it in a little bit better. But for now, I'm just going to keep going with 
you know, whatever idea I have next? How do you sort of manage like that mixing part and the, the writing part? I, when I am working by myself, tend to work on the fly because I know I'm not annoyed by mixing a track in the middle of recording creative stuff or going back to the beginning when I'm right in the middle. Uh, like I have a lot of freedom with myself, which is why I was able to make this song happen. Um, but I, I, I must have gone back to the start and remixed it like a bunch of times. But as far as actual melodies and harmonies go, past the first time that I was like, oh, this is really good. Now, that's not to say I got it right on the first try. That is absolutely false. <laughs> I definitely went through like a couple different things. I, I have a habit of scrolling through all of the sounds on a synth until I find the right one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a good habit for music producing. If you're if you're ever like lacking creativity, just find a synth, pull it up and just scroll through those sounds. You'll find something. Yeah, it's a cheat code for sure. <laughs> it's absolutely it's a very cheat code. I minimize that time though. I always feel like I lose my juices trying to find something and I'm like, oh, I've been scrolling for days. Like See, what do I do? I I mean, I when I'm when I'm trying to find a sound, I don't Something I try to focus on as I, I am a clinical overthinker. Um, I, <laughs> when I find a sound that I like, unless I'm like really on the fence about that sound, like if I'm going, oh, this is good, or I know at least like in general what I'm looking for, because once you find the initial sound that you're inspired by, the rest comes really easy. It's shocking. Like, I feel like Marty might be able to back me up on this. Yeah, certainly can. I, th I think there's a difference between, like, letting a sound inspire a track and having the track, like, 70% of the way done and then letting a sound, like, inspire the rest of it to get done. You know what I mean? Like, it's much hmm. more difficult to, like, scroll to find a specific noise that you're looking for and then, like, invent a song around it. Like, that's tough. It's not impossible. It's something I've definitely, like done before but it it's, way more it's tough like it takes so much energy like you said Blake it's like really yeah. tough but if, yeah if you're kind of stuck or you're like this part just needs a little more magic or it needs some some sort of like sprinklage on top um sprinklage yeah sprinklage yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's an awesome word <laughs> yeah get the sprinklage on there man yeah you can you can go to your favorite uh synth or to your favorite drum pack and be like, okay, what's the uh, what's the magic here? There's yeah. there's some magic to be had. Ultimately, like the magic in your own track has to do with working with what you have. Like that's gonna sound super disingenuous to some people. <laughs> uh, I know it sounded super disingenuous to me when I was like eighteen. Um, but the 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 trick it's not even a trick. It's the key. The key to making a piece of music that is unique to you and is something you're passionate about is using what you've already got. Like, if you feel like you need something else to make your perfect music, go get it. And if you can't go get it, do the best you can to substitute it in that moment if you feel like you really want to make music. It is it is all about the moment. and But it's not all about waiting for the moment. You can craft the moment. It's just about feeling yourself in that moment, which is a lot. <laughs> Didn't Jack White make right. a whole album out of GarageBand presets? I cannot confirm that. I'd never heard that. I Someone know he did. made a couple albums that were both done in a day. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. I know. I, I remember in high school I heard about it through Michigan State's radio station, actually. Uh, I think his, his song, um, Amaretto, was off of one of those one-day albums where Jack White was just Jeez. like, I have some stuff to prove. Wow. I'm going to show that I can do this. And the the, the thing is incredible. It's it it and it, I think it shows that inspiration can come at any time. It's just you it, it's not so much like waiting for that feeling of as inspiration as it is going off of what you're thinking in that moment. Because if you can learn to go off of how you're feeling and what you're thinking in that moment, your music will become so much more like relatable and human and uh, diverse like in an instant. It is a huge step forward. Yeah. I think it's kind of funny. I think the challenge for me is um, like not getting blocked off in those moments. Mm -hmm. So like take a Sunday, for example, it was like, okay, well, I've set two, two hours aside to make some music today. I'm, I'm excited. I got energy for it. 
I get up there and then it's like, well, I actually feel kind of tired and hungry and, you know, like, well, like there's not, not much inspiring going on. How did like, then I kind of like, I won't let myself just write a song that has those attributes. Well, see, see for me at that moment, unless I feel I don't want to make a song about being tired and hungry. So I'll go make myself a sandwich or something. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I will take those emotions. I will take what I am feeling in that moment and begin to make music. It, that's, I think, Kelvin, not the uh, philosopher, but the cartoon character, once said, uh, yes. creativity isn't something you can just turn on like a faucet. Which is true. But, in essence, the faucet is always running. You, you you can always be inspired by something. Even if it's just the wooden clock on your wall, there is something in there that you know you feel, that you know you compartmentalize and consider. And if you, if you feel strongly about something and you, you want to sort of dedicate that, there's, there is always, always room for music to come out of that. I, I can I can almost yeah. guarantee that there was always music to wake and co- like waiting to come out of one of those moments. You know my my That's initial stuff. I know it's like my initial reaction is to disagree with you, but I I honestly can't. It's hard to argue against because I th- I always feel that the hardest part about inspiration as a concept is just sitting down and doing it, like sitting down and making the first step. Mm-hmm. You know, I always feel like. Whenever I have moments of man, I'm just it's just not happening today. Yeah. It's because I I sit down and I open up the session and I don't actually like drag a drum into an empty track. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like but there have been so many times, especially in these past two weeks, um, where I'll sit down and I'll be like, Oh no, I'm like on my coffee come down <laughs> you know like <laughs> you know what i mean they're like yeah. oh geez it's like five like this is the worst time to be making stuff i um, mean at, at, at that point that's where you channel that like i don't want to do this energy into your music that's well, when you right. create something <laughs> that's incredibly unique and special yeah that's why i have a hard time arguing with you on that because it's just it's it's happened like it's um like what you're saying has happened before. Mm-hmm. It's just wh- whenever whenever I actually just drag the synth into the the goddamn track, you know, whenever as, that as whenever soon as you touch a key that, that makes happens, a noise, right? And then you're like, then you're going, yeah, then you're going, and your brain will start working and problem solving. Yeah, you'll be fine. That that was something <laughs> that I figured out over the past year. Just just start, just start. Like that's like, the thing. You yeah. can't wait for wait for inspiration. You just gotta go with what you're <laughs> feeling. You just gotta go with it. And I, I have a hypothesis here that it's really kind of two things happening at once. So when you're in your low state and you're trying to create and you, you take anything and you just start, like there's a lot of friction for starting. It's difficult. You, it's hard to show up. Uh, but then once you get going, my hypothesis is the, the longer you've made music, the more sort of experiences you've had around music, the more that dialogue gets going. Mm-hmm. So for someone who's starting for the first time dragging a synth in, you know, there's just sort of small things that they might not really get that sort of add friction to their experience. Whereas, yeah. you know, Marty dragging the synth in is like, oh, I know how to start playing with this. Like I, I've played with this many different times mm-hmm. and I know where to go from here. And that starts actually like a dialogue, which can probably bring you to other emotional states too, besides sort of your, your coffee crash, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. A, really good, that's a really good point, actually. <laughs> yeah it's like a lot of experience helps too <laughs> you know or like yeah. knowing how to play the instrument <laughs> will definitely be easier yeah yeah you're right but also that. just that like once you start engaging with music or somehow or engaging with the synth whatever it is um that's a dialogue that can sort of bring you to other emotional states too it's just much harder to start engaging yeah when you're at a low I mean, even at that creative low my my personal uh vendetta at that point and i definitely used it a couple times in this project especially during that little 80s like horn section um is that sometimes like you know even if you're not feeling 
inspiration, you know, you're not feeling it. You're just like, I don't want to do it. Just, just touch keys, just, just, or like strings or whatever you're doing, like sing some riffs, just, just make some random music and something will come out that sounds good to you. Did I, I have a producer friend who he, he has a, a, like a logic session where he puts like just, just uh trash noise <laughs> and he's a, like, he's a folk producer. Um, in Nashville, but he like <laughs> he has a logic session if he's feeling like creatively stuck. He has a session where he ha- he like he put a limiter on the master so it can never go over zero dB. <laughs> but he puts like random. He'll just like scream into a microphone or like like go like on a guitar. Stop. If you got some energy, get it out, man. Yeah, just to like scramble. He says it scrambles him up. That's what that's what he mm. says. That's how you find inspiration, though. It's like <laughs> it's like we're always feeling a certain type of way. If we can get, if we can either use that certain type of way or get that certain type of way out of the way, as Marty's describing, creativity is a lot more accessible than a lot of people think. Love it. Wow. Hey, can I ask that's you a crazy one more thing? the scrambler session? <laughs> oh yeah, the, the oh, yeah, scramble session. Yeah, that's what he that's what <laughs> he just make one thought on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's crazy. I would like, you know, it's the opposite of pattern shock. You know, you're kind of stuck in one mode or like our, our good friend Andy used to make techno beats. We always bring it up like he's at <laughs> FL Studios just like staring at a pattern for like eight hours straight and then he comes <laughs> out and he's like i have pattern shock i can't think Yo, you know it's like he's just been so looping weird. this beat you know <laughs> but i feel like a scrambling session is like the opposite of that you're just trying to get out of any rut that might exist within you it's, it's like the just anti-musical like, equivalent to saying words so much that it doesn't mean anything more like anymore like you know if you just go aneurysm 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 eventually it just becomes noise yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Just yeah. Like, okay, I understand. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the word just disassociates from your brain. <laughs> aneurysm, yeah. aneurysm, 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 aneurysm. This is an example for those listening. Aneurysm, aneurysm. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> it worked. It worked on me. I, oh. I'm sure they'll get the concept. <laughs> George, I, I wanna, I wanna point, I wanna point everyone to one thing that I think makes the ending absolutely gel together and it's that one synth that you use hmm. um the 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 super duper side chained synth the oh yeah i want to find it because i actually don't know which layer it is but it, i want to find it it might be doug flutie it might be doug flutie i don't know or or that might be the motif it might be the oh pe- no it's it's a uh synth cora eight funk wah Funk wah solo. I need to. I, so that, that was definitely a point where I did not name my tracks. <laughs> so here's the isolated uh, thing that I'm talking. It's just so cool. I and love it's that shit. Alone, it's so d- it's so like weird. It doesn't yeah. sound like anything. No, I that's see, like light breaking through clouds, you know. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, 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 right. That was that was I was almost the the, the uh, sort of effect I was going for, um, almost in a more neon eighty sense, right, where you have like a bright red neon light breaking through like pitch black mm. storm clouds. Uh, yeah. If if this makes any sense at all, think Far Cry Blood Dragon. That is I've never played a it. long. Long, long stretch, but it's a spinoff of the <laughs> Far Cry series that is very, very sure, 80s, and I love it. I'm sure our fans that know Far Cry Ooh. will will love that. You oh yeah, it. <laughs> no, they'll 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 be happy that I mentioned that. But it's there. There were there were um there there was a particular visual that resonated me from that spinoff because I when I was in high school, my parents got me. Well, my dad got me Far Cry Three for Christmas, and I played the living hell out of that game i thought it was very good uh and then when far cry blood dragon came out i was very excited but there is an imagery in that game it is one of the games uh and actually one of the originators of the system where you have camps that you need to take over to defeat the enemy and over all of these camps was a beacon if you hadn't taken it over it was this big 
red, like, omega symbol beacon against this stormy, pitch-black, sunless sky. And definitely when I was making this, I was thinking, okay, what if the sun broke through for just a second? Like, what if what if just a snippet of light came through that clouds? What would that be like? Uh, and I love that. I, I, I had heard... Like not melodies, but but secondary instruments beside chain before, and when this synth wasn't side chained, it wasn't this this section of the song was not giving me enough pump. It wasn't giving me enough movement, uh, enough like feeling of oh we're reaching a climax. Uh, and I I had done everything standard. I had side chained the bass. I had compressed the kick. I had done everything. And I just said, okay, I'm going to side-chain this chord synth. I'm going to make it dip in and out as hard as I possibly can. And it sounded a lot better than I expected it to. Can I love it's that. Can, can I play this section without it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then we'll play the section with it? Because I think this one synth just like makes this section so awesome. <laughs> also, what's it, what's it side-chain to? Just the kick. I want to hear Just the kick. Oh, just the kick? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, it's because... <laughs> I, I like to keep my my uh, bass in a place that really roots the downbeats. Um, mm. It's there. There is fun to be had when it comes to putting a a, a kick on an and, but um, you'll you'll hear that a lot of these are kept on the bass unless it needs to be moved in a certain temporal aspect. That's probably a weird way to say that. Can I play the kick and the synth together? Oh. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, so here's how the kick and the synth go together. It's side-chaining to something else, too. Side chain to the snare too. Is it? I think I, so. I I don't remember side chaining it to the snare. I'm pretty sure it's just the kick. But I think I kept the release a little bit longer to give it that dip feeling. Yeah, that's cool. I I remember. It's really aggressive. I uh, love it. Yeah. <laughs> I see. When when I was in middle school, early high school, uh, dubstep and electronica was a big thing, at least amongst nerds. Um, <laughs> and I remember that. I I was never a massive fan of dubstep. Uh, I was more of like a Ratatat guy. Uh, yes, was, let's go. Yeah, I actually just remembered his name today. I I couldn't believe. I I I knew there was a song called Something Pipes for the longest time, and I typed in Loud Pipes, oh. and I said, <gasps> "I remember now." <laughs> his use of electric guitar gets me just hot and bothered. Um, yeah, it's insane. The so creative. Thank you. Yeah, I mean he's he's incredible. Yeah, at, at that sense. Um, uh, but uh, he and some more alternative electronic artists who I I can't name because anytime I listen to alternative electronic music in college or like late high school, it was just music that I heard on Spotify or Pandora. It was it was. Yeah, was I have the same thing. It's always like playlists. Mm -hmm. You know, playlists like. Or like radio inspired by a song that I like that I never remember all the artists on the playlist. Yeah. I, I try to like a song that I like as much as possible to know where I got the inspiration from. But this part was definitely taken from more uh, independent and alternative electronic music sources. In uh, I, I, I want to say my inspiration was taken from the early 2010s. I, I heard enough electronic music over that duration of time that really not only used side chaining to great effect but also like really focused on it it featured it uh and i almost wanted to sort of like grasp a bit of that in this moment a little dead mouse-ish yeah i mean it's fun to side chain things that aren't the base because <laughs> then the entire like not the entire thing but more than you think kind of it's 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 like a weird uh sort of anti-rhythmic breathing motion uh-huh yeah i still want to play this section without the synth yeah here here's the section without the synth <laughs> 
Okay, it's supposed to come in right here. It's so weird. There's like no, there's no upper treble yeah, layer that good. like I expect. Okay, so here's with it. So cool. <laughs> it's like you're not even trying to hide the ducking. It's it's yeah. great. I mean that's 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 the beautiful thing about modern production is that I'm I'm not a particularly good pianist. Uh and and doing something like that manually. Ooh. There he is. Doing something like that manually would uh, definitely be much more difficult than just just kick side chaining the synth. And it it I don't know. I I just I I felt like I I knew I needed more treble in that section, but I felt like I needed more rhythmic. Mm, Rhythmic validation is the only kind of <laughs> phrase I could come up with at that point. Uh but it, it's it's like the 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 whole thing is already kind of weird because of the four 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 three four thing. Um if you want to think about it that way. Uh but I I couldn't figure out how to really alert people to that. How to like let people know in the least well not the least obvious way possible but like the most musically discernible way possible that something is different <laughs> yeah it's pretty effective absolutely there's a ton of movement thank you it's so alive that's what it feels that's yeah. what it sounds like to me i mean it's, it's just like you, you you make the higher end breathe like that and immediately you get a more like more of a powerful feeling for the beat and and how it's flowing through the entire track well i love it well, George, we're we're pretty much out of time. Oh no, we're getting there. But um, do you want to tell the folks what you're working on? Oh shoot, yeah, of course. Um, right now, I am very much concentrated on my own solo career. Uh, I hope to be putting out more information soon. Uh, but I I am very much focused on that. Uh, I have just finished mixing vocals for the great uh the greatest <laughs> the latest GVO album, which is really exciting. Uh, there there there's a lot of good material on this. It's definitely a step step up from the last project that was put up by GVO. Uh, and I have a couple collaborations that are in the works. Um, that should be announced probably by the end of the summer. Sweet. Yeah. Where can people find you? I am on Spotify, Apple Music. Um, I don't know if I'm on SoundCloud in any sense. Uh, I I know that I will be attempting to post more alternative, strange things that I make under the Pony Express on SoundCloud. <laughs> Once again, that is the Pony express on <laughs> soundcloud there are already a couple early things of mine on there which i will neglect to delete on purpose because i find them fascinating <laughs> and extremely <laughs> under compressed uh but it is it is my goal to start posting more of my uh sort of off the beaten path works on that page if you're if you're looking for an absolutely positively entirely free way to see what I do on a weekly basis, that would probably be your best bet. Love it. And uh, if you want to hear yeah. the song that we've been listening to on the podcast, uh, go type in Mischief Management um, <laughs> off of the album Ambicrombia by GVO. Heck yeah. And wait, before we finish up, yes. I mean, George, you're a legend, but also... <laughs> I completely forgot to ask you about Harry Potter. Like, oh, what yeah. mischief management? Is there a connection? <laughs> yeah, no, there is a connection. Uh, my my dad actually introduced me to Harry Potter as a kid. He mail ordered all of the books. He was a huge fan. Um, yeah. he, he was he was definitely one of those undercover nerds. He's he's a union electrician, so you know he has to keep himself like 
pretty popular but <laughs> when when he's at home he likes to he likes to be a nerd and and he was definitely the one who introduced me to that but when i was making this song i was kind of thinking of a title and one of the phrases that popped into my head was mischief managed because i always loved that phrase of all the things they could say to close a map, yeah. mischief managed. Yeah, I because like it's that. meant it's for mischief. It's the perfect yeah. phrase. But to to me in my yeah. mind, that implied that there must be some sort of mischief management. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of took that and ran with it, and I was like, "All right, that's the title. That's a good title." Because it it, it really is a sort of managed mischief. It, it it changes enough to get your attention and make you go, "What are you doing?" Uh, but in the end. It, I do like to feel it gets away with it because it reintroduces you with that motif that sticks with you throughout the song. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. And I think really just to say my biggest takeaway from today, something that you do that I think is, is awesome. I mean, just how many times have you brought up, you know, like a specific visual from a video game or, you know, band, Mm. uh, being in band or, you know, uh, you know, memory of your dad. Like this is, it's such a cool, um, you're just, you're just always referencing the world around you. And I feel like sometimes when I like make music, I kind of get lost in the sauce and forget to uh, remember what the inspiration is. And you can really collage those things into something sweet. So, yeah, that's, that's my takeaway. I'm going to go try to think about uh, more things yeah. while uh, working in the DAW. All, <laughs> always a good idea. Unfortunately for everybody, I have a product idea. Oh no! You, okay, Blake. <laughs> what do you got? You say "lost in the sauce" so much, and it's so good. It's so true. <laughs> we need a we need a tune shed sauce to get lost in. Oh my! Wait, sell. like a hot sauce? Yeah, like a hot sauce. We need like a. Tune my brother shed. makes a mean hot sauce. Dude. Does he really? Can we market it oh, and yeah. sell it as sauce to get lost in? Do Do you know how many <laughs> bottling companies there are? Oh my god! <laughs> you, we'll also sell cans of worms. We do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> we say opening a can of worms so much it's ridiculous we do we open lots of cans of worms the, on this the, podcast the tune shed crawlers <laughs> sold at uh, yeah. upper peninsula <laughs> gas stations near you <laughs> phil's 550 shout out to phil's 550 oh, phil's 550 <laughs> dude i hope he's doing well honestly no- nothing is better for getting fish bait than a rural Michigan gas station <laughs> and Walt's crawlers. <laughs> yeah, Walt's crawlers. Dude, Walt is out here making money, dude. Nobody else decided to monetize the game of earthworms, and Walt was like, I've got this. <laughs> 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 just just one day he said, you know, there's an untapped market here in Michigan. People really need worms, and there's no <laughs> consistent worm branding. Are you sick and tired of getting your own worms? <laughs> <laughs> Come find Walt. I've caught the worms for you. As you know, they're pretty difficult to catch. <laughs> pretty well, slippery. he's going to have some competition in the market soon. Toon shed worm cans. I <laughs> mean, hey, dude. We're, we're bougie worms. I'll market that. I'll, I'll, I'll go around to the, I mean. I'm we do, we do uh, grass-fed worms. Grass-fed <laughs> worms. <laughs> Organic vegan worms. <laughs> we only grow our worms <laughs> in a kale worms. farm so they can have as much nutrients as possible for those fish you really we'll love to catch. We are we have musical <laughs> worms. We we raise them on a good diet of Bach and Beethoven. We we hold one up and we say, Look, yeah. they can sing and it's just silence and a worm. They're smarter than other worm babies. <laughs> <laughs> because they listen to Mozart. Yeah, they're more developed. They, That's they how can, you they, know the they, fish will get them. They can dig dirt in a straight line instead of in curly Q patterns. <laughs> that's their that's their advancement in IQ. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they are they willingly attract fish rather than <laughs> through terror. God, we got to we got to stop this train. I All right, I'll well, go we've had our fun. Let me, good God. <laughs> On second thought, maybe we should stick to podcasting and music. <laughs> 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 All right, everybody. Email us at the Tune Shed Podcast at gmail.com. Say what you like and what you hate, and uh, except if you hate George, then don't talk to us because <laughs> we love George. True. Um, and until next time, much love. Bye. Bye. Bye.